Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Well, we are now the resistance, ladies and gentlemen. We are the resistance against the media, against the Democrat Party, against certain officials and governors who resist our Constitution, who resist our private property rights. You know, uh, all day long you've heard, including at the top of the hour if you get the lousy network news I do, these phony newsrooms and their phony reporters go on and on about these governors, four in particular, who are ignoring the president's reopening guidelines and going on their own. Wasn't it just a week or so ago, Mr. Producer, that Andrew Cuomo said that he will determine when he opens his state? Wasn't it about a week ago that there was a debate over federalism, that the president doesn't have all this power to decide when states open, that governors do. Remember all that? Remember all that, ladies and gentlemen? This is what I mean about a totalitarian media and the totalitarian progressive left and Democrat party. They don't believe in federalism unless it gets them what they want, which is the opposite of federalism. But this isn't even about federalism. The governors who have slammed shut their economies, who've ordered their police to arrest innocent Americans for conducting themselves constitutionally, are praised, are celebrated by the Democrat Party media. The governors who are looking for ways to defeat the Wuhan China virus, both medically and economically, are trashed and attacked by any tool in the toolbox of the left, and that includes the media. So if you have Republican governors who are slowly, carefully, looking to open up aspects of their state's economy, they're being told they're not following the president's guidelines. If you have governors who have slammed shut their economies and have no intention of opening them anytime soon, they're defended on federalism grounds. This is how intellectually poisonous and insane the left and the left media are. We don't have protests in this country to shut down the economy. There are protests in this country to open it up. The media hate the protesters. The media try to define and characterize the protesters 
as neo-Nazis and Klansmen, because that's what they think of you. That's what they think of Trump supporters and conservatives. Even more broadly, that's what they think of anyone who disagrees with the hardcore, radical, progressive left agenda. You keep also hearing from these Democrat state governors and the Democrat Party press about the second wave. And they've got this from our CDC. They've gotten it from Fauci and others. Of course there's now going to be a second wave, the extent of which we have no idea. There's going to be a second wave because Drs. Fauci and Burks insured it. Because these Democrat Party governors insured it. Because the more you shelter, the more you shelter. And I'm not talking about the elderly. I'm not talking about those susceptible and more likely to die as a result of this virus. I'm talking about generally. And the more you hunker down, the less people can build immunity and antibodies to the virus. And so, these hardcore Democrat governors and the hardcore Democrat media types really have no way out of this box. So they keep pushing off the date. Well, we'll see. Maybe mid-May. June 1st, maybe August. We have to protect the people first. And they're not protecting all the people first, and I'll get to that in a minute. In fact, they're doing enormous harm. So the more they, they shut down their economies, the more they sick the police on innocent American citizens in their states who want to take a walk or surf in the ocean or whatever they want to do, the worse the second wave or the next phase will be. This is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's mostly coming out of these blue states. As are demands for federal money. As are demands to subsidize the state budgets. Because they know their states cannot go on forever like this or even two or three more months like this. So they have an answer. Don't tell us what to do in our state. Federalism, they say. But you're to pay for our decisions. Anti-federalism. That would be centralism. And the governors whose budgets are better under control, who've better managed this virus, big states too, Some of these are big states, Florida, Texas, and growing states, Georgia, Tennessee, others. They've done a better job. There's not a lot of talk except by the plagiarists in this business, but I'm talking about the broader media about the decisions that were made early on in New York City with their subway system and their bus system, forcing more and more people on fewer and fewer buses and fewer and fewer subway cars. It's exactly the wrong decision. Exactly the wrong decision. And so we get headlines like this from from AOL.com. Rick Newman... 
These four Republican states are ignoring Trump's opening guidelines. Well, wait a minute. I thought about there is federalism. What happens when the coronavirus is prevalent and you send people out anyway? Now, that's not what the governors are doing. They're being gradual. They're doing this in phases, but it doesn't matter. The media are not there to inform you. They're not there to provide you with facts. They're there to celebrate their politicians and to eviscerate politicians who they don't consider their politicians. When you think of the American media today, think of the communications office of the Democrat National Committee. We're on the verge of finding out, thanks to some Republican-controlled states that are willing to serve as reopening guinea pigs. This is a news piece. The governors of Georgia, South Carolina, and Alaska are allowing some businesses to reopen this week as long as they follow distancing and sanitary guidelines. Tennessee will allow many businesses to reopen May 1. Florida and several other states are working on reopening plans. None of these states meets Trump's administration guidelines for reopening business. So now they invoke Trump, who they hate. Now, here's something you haven't heard. We may have 15%, maybe 20% unemployment. That is a disaster. This is one of the reasons the president is trying to open up the economy. But that also means you have 75 to 80% employment. Not enough by any stretch. But we have 75 to 80% employment. Is this reporter at AOL, are these reporters on CNN and MSNBC, are these skeptics? Are they aware that 75 to 80% of the American people are working in small businesses, large businesses, medium-sized businesses? Maybe they're running small businesses. Are they aware of this? Well, how are they doing it? How are they doing it? Well, they're essential. I don't care. Call them whatever you want. Call them essential, non-essential. Call them kumquats. I don't care. 75 to 80% of the American people who are old enough to work, are working. And they're not all sick. Or if they all have the virus, they're not showing any real symptoms. They're not all dying. So what does that mean? That means you can work and fight the virus. You can work and be smart about it and mitigate. And small, medium, and large businesses are doing this all over the country. All over the country. Despite the horrific economic consequences that have resulted from the virus and from certain lingering decisions by blue state governors. But let us be very, very clear. 80-85% of the people are employed. And I notice the media don't send their reporters out to find out how they're doing this. How are the grocery stores functioning? How are the farmers functioning? How are the truckers functioning and the FedEx guys and the UPS guys, the Uber guys, the taxi guys? How are they functioning? How are the 7-Elevens doing it? How are they pulling it off? How about some of the restaurants out there? What are they doing exactly? See, the media doesn't want to contribute to our knowledge base. 
And the media certainly doesn't want to contribute to opening up the economy so people can get back to work. Other people who are unemployed. So businesses don't have to remain shuttered. Other businesses that are shut. They're not interested in any of that. They sit in Washington, D.C. and New York. And they regurgitate what the politicians in Washington, D.C. and New York have to say. Or they provide them with their talking points. You have governors who know more about their states, more about their states than Anderson Cooper, who's mocking them, more about their states than Rick Newman at AOL. I'd love to know where Rick Newman is based. The vast majority of national reporters are based in Washington, D.C., secondarily in New York, and then third, L.A., So they have a rather myopic view. The vast majority of the reporters on the internet are based in states that Hillary Clinton won. This is all an unfreedom of the press. They come to their job with a bias, as many people do. But they don't try to tame or police or govern their bias. And neither do their bosses. They use their bias to project on events that are taking place. To project on events that are taking place. So we have this headline at AOL. These four Republican states are ignoring Trump's reopening guidelines. It's actually more than four. It's probably half a dozen and growing. But if Cuomo said, I am not following those guidelines, it would say, Andrew Cuomo stands up to Trump and his guidelines. Right? The media have a totalitarian mindset. And they're sarcastic, they're condescending. What you have is a new, a relatively new crop of people hired by cable TV, the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, the networks, billionaires who fund these these websites that pop up. And these are basically frat boys and sorority girls who've no real life experiences, who could care about the history, the rich history of journalism, and have as their purpose to drive an agenda, their agenda, their politics, their policies. And clearly, clearly, liberty, private property rights, capitalism, and the Constitution are not among their principles. I'll be right back. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can too with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. 
This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. The media and the Democrats, of course, they'll seize on anything to trash America. They seize on the virus to talk about health care and how minorities suffer the most under this virus. It's interesting, though, that they don't talk about how minorities suffer under these governors and the closing of their economies. Did you know that unemployment and pay cuts have hit the Hispanic community the worst, and second, the African-American community? Did you know that? 60% of Hispanics say they or someone in their household has lost a job or taken a pay cut due to the outbreak. 60%. Does that mean these blue state governors are racist? Well, according to them, they are. Does that mean the media are racist? Well, according to them, they are. How come the race-baiting crowd doesn't take their race-baiting to the end of the logic stream. Now, how come they don't talk about what these blue state governors are doing to the households, minority households? They're destroying them. 60% of Hispanics, 60%, they or someone in their household has lost a job or taken a pay cut. Have you heard that before? And get a load of this. News organizations are lining up for government subsidies. News organizations. Axios, one of the most left-wing sites that exist. And they're not alone. And they're being encouraged to do so by a left-wing site called Pointner. Pointner Journalism Think Tank, which is funded by leftists. Uh, and is often inaccurate. They're saying, go for it. Go for it. And what they want in the next so-called stimulus bill is for the federal government to pour $5 billion in health-related advertising in local papers, TV, radio stations, and on and on and on. While they're out there preaching that many of you who are unemployed or who businesses are underwater should just suck it up. They have no intention of just sucking it up. Kevin McCarthy's scheduled to be next, and I'll be right back. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home. On demand and absolutely free of charge, Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can too with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story, 
It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin, a proud fanatic for the Constitution. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Let me turn my mic on. That would help. Kevin McCarthy is the minority leader in the House of Representatives. He wants to be the majority leader. God willing, he'll be the speaker. Uh, Mr. McCarthy, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Mark. Thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure. A couple of questions. Where's Nancy Pelosi? Is she a non-essential employee? Where is she? Well, she's back in D.C. now. But, you know, last time we were talking, she was holding up the whole CARES Act. We're right back talking again, and what has she done? She's held up the exact money that would go for small business, for their employees. And, you know, this president, President Trump, went out and knew this was such a successful program, said, I need more money. She goes in and objects, and then what does she do? Late-night TV, expensive refrigerator, gourmet ice cream. She has no idea what's going on in this country, and she just wants to have leverage to try to put her liberal agenda in. It's, it, it's unbelievable. Well, there's a couple things that worry me here. Do uh, members of Congress vote anymore? Well, and I don't know if you saw my letter yesterday. I sent a letter to uh, the Speaker. I believe Congress is essential. Congress has been meeting when there's a civil war going on, when there's World War II, other things that are happening. And if we're not meeting, why should the rest of the country? We have an ability to do, to do it in a safe and sound manner. And that's what I laid out in, in, in the letter to her. Summarize for us what that would be. Okay, exactly. So there are a number of things we have to do. Take for um, the NDAA, the National Defense Bill. Why can't the committee move to the auditorium where we have, and start having committee hearings to craft the bill. All The other members don't need to be here, but take the essential committees that we are meeting, put them in bigger rooms so they have social distancing, and meet and work through the bills. Then, if it comes the bills are done, you can have Congress come in and vote. And we're going to show tomorrow how we can do it. We have broken down the members of Congress into segments about nine different segments, um, and we give them a time lot. you got ten minutes, you're in this segment, you go vote, go in these two doors, out the other, right? You're still able to keep the social distancing part, but you're getting the essential work done so we can have the small business keep their employees running. You know, this is so important. If Costco can do this, exactly. if our local grocery store can do this, then why the hell can't Congress do this? And the answer is the Speaker doesn't want to do it, apparently. Well, after this letter, I, uh, she called me today. Um, I laid out some of these ideas. Look, states are looking to open back up. They're not going to open the whole state at once. They're going to do in, in phases. So why don't we start with committees in phases? Mm-hmm. What they want to do is they wanted to have proxy voting. And the country doesn't quite know what that is, right? The country is broken down in congressional districts, and they're about the same size. You lend your voice to that congresswoman or congressman for two years, and you hold that person accountable, right? Well, if it's proxy voting, that means Pelosi has 
30 other votes sitting in her pocket. They don't show up. Oh, no, here's enough votes to win. Well, no, 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 no. That means that basically members of Congress give their vote to the Speaker? Yes. Well, I told the Speaker we cannot change 200 years of history, how Congress meets, in some partisan way. I got her to pull it back, luckily, today. But that's what they had proposed. Who? Your constituents didn't lend their voice to Nancy Pelosi. They put it to the member who they elected. Mm-hmm. That person needs to do the job. But if you watch, every time they hold these bills up, it's because they want to change the direction and the reshaping and structuring of government. Mm-hmm. The number three most powerful Democrat, Clyburn, the majority whip, he thinks coronavirus is there to restructure government in their liberal way. You've got Congresswoman Jaipal. She's upset that this bill's moving forward because she said we should have more leverage, have these small businesses so that we can institute more of the Green New Deal. Our AOC, when she watched the oil price drop historically, she said she'd love to see it, those thousands of jobs of people being laid off. You know, Congressman, I want to ask you a question about the debt. Yes. Just so you know where I stand on this, uh, we're already talking about phase four, and I've made it clear, and we've got millions of listeners here, I'm going to fight this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to fight a phase four because before we vote on this phase, we're on to phase four, and Schumer's on there saying we want it to be as big as the $2.2 trillion or even bigger. Now's not the time for massive government infrastructure programs or all these other ideas that everybody has. And honestly, I've told the, uh, the White House as, as well. The reason is the way you get people back to work is to get them back to work. It's not to flood the zone with this endless paper that's being printed and printed and printed, and one day... We're going to pay a price for this. Can't we allow, you know, these governors are right. These Republican governors, for sure, where they're saying, hey, we want to take little steps and start to open our economy here. Everybody's not dying. Everybody's not getting sick. Protect those those populations. But there's other people. I mean, we have 75 to 80 percent of the people in this country who are working. It's not enough, but they are working. So some businesses have figured out how to do this. Exactly. And I've been very clear. We have just passed a tremendous amount of money, trillions of dollars. Why would you write another bill without having this implemented into the economy? Why can you sit back and say, oh, we need a fourth one of trillions of dollars? What data do you have that shows that that's needed? What needs to happen here in a safe manner is that we can open the country back up. Mm-hmm. And there are pockets of the country that are fundamentally different than everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the number of people who have died, 55% of them come from New York and New Jersey. Well, there are other parts of the country that people are in a much better place because on an average, they're already having social distancing and where. And don't we want to keep them going? Don't we want to keep the economy at the same time working? And here's the other thing, and I'm glad to hear you say this. And here's the other thing. Americans are supporting Americans, Americans who can work and want to work and aren't in these various populations or these areas of the country. They will help the country get through this. Yes. If they're effective and productive and motivated and so forth, they will help those parts of the country that are suffering and those populations that are under the gun. They will help them when the economy picks up in these areas which are not identical to the red hot zones, correct? Exactly. And you know what you can do? We have more information now, so there could be a point where if you're at a certain age, maybe you can still stay home and these others right. can go to work. There are, we learned something more about this um, 
virus every day. And let's remember, this virus came from a distance land. The study by Southampton shows 95% of this never would have happened if China had not lied to the world. If they would have allowed President Trump, when he requested to send those researchers and scientists in, we could have contained it there. Or remember the decision he made January 31st to stop those flights when the World Health Organization is saying, oh, it doesn't transfer human to human? Or almost a month later when Nancy Pelosi is telling everybody to come to Chinatown February 24th? Or even on the exact day he's stopping those flights, she had a bill to bring to the floor of no ban to take the power away from the president to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And then she sends a letter criticizing him. Thing. And Joe Biden, it took him two more months before he agreed with um, stopping the planes from China. Look, we have different parts of this country. There's a company out there called Whoop, W-H-O-O-P. They're, they're one of the wristbands, right? The wearables, like a Fitbit. Mm-hmm. It, and it measures all sorts of parts in your body, right? Your sleep and others. They had a, a lot of people wear them. They found that a 1,000 people had COVID. They found out in here that they can tell you before the symptoms arrive that you could have it. You could wake up in the morning, little red mark, all right, you know what? I shouldn't go to work because I don't want to affect anybody else with this. We can, we can control Maybe this. every member of Congress should have that. Then you can meet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The country is smarter about this today than we were a month ago. We're, our behavior is going to be different. We're not hugging people anymore. But when you go into the grocery store, they put the screen up. You don't stand right behind somebody with your cart. You stay six feet back. Yep. Right? You wash your hands more. I I, I could not agree more with you. It's exactly right. And we should learn from these businesses, small, medium, and large, that have muscled through this and say, okay, what are they doing that's right? You want to talk about the the, the brilliance of the American people, the creativity, the... uh, uh, the productivity of the American people. Well, then let's turn to them and see what they're doing. Exactly. Look, because we are Americans. Now, with the virus being here, we didn't invite it. We didn't ask for it. But we can defeat it. We've watched that time and time again with America. Remember, we weren't. if the people saying when it, when it ramped up in the Northeast, I needed more ventilators. You heard Cuomo doing that. In a few short weeks, he's giving his away to somewhere else because the administration had so many built. We're going to be helping supply the rest of the world. It took us two years after SARS to be ever to even be in a clinical one testing for a vaccine. We're already in a clinical one testing for a vaccine inside humans right now for a vaccine. We've got antibodies that are really promising out there. The ingenuity of America, you unshackle them. They're just trying to look for more government. We need to unshackle the private sector. And it's critical that those people are able to work and help us. And you know, Leader McCarthy, the politics is really kind of vicious and insane. I mean, for Nancy Pelosi to announce the president gets an F, honest to God, I don't know what else the president could do. What else could he possibly do? Why, because he's not nationalizing industries? Because he's not opening the borders to anybody who wants to come in? What exactly is her plan? Has she put out a blueprint for dealing with this coronavirus? Are you aware of one? No, but that's my exact question to her. You're criticizing everybody else. You are the Speaker of the House. You're third in line to the President. You have a responsibility. I can't call people back, but tell me what we're going to do. When are the committees going to start? How can the rest of the country do something if Congress is not working? Well, listen, I'm very very pleased with this conversation. I want to thank you for your battling ahead. Yes, we want members to vote and no. We don't want to just keep spending trillions of dollars because uh, the economy 
people aren't working, the businesses aren't up and running, you can keep pushing relief money out left and right. And what's going to happen? One day when you're speaker, you're going to have massive inflation to deal with. That's my yeah, great concern. But you've right got now. to pay this back. Every great society has collapsed when they over, overextended themselves. Mm-hmm. We are not in this problem because we had a financial crisis. We had the strongest economy in the world. The sooner we're back, the sooner we'll be back to it. Those 22 million that got laid off. I mean, think about tomorrow we're going to get the report for unemployment for the last week. They, the Democrats have held this bill up for a week. And what did this money do? It only kept those small businesses. I created my first small business when I was 20. You know the three lessons I learned? I was the first one to work, I was the last one to leave, and I was the last one to be paid. Really? What kind of businesses? I'm just curious. It was a deli. Really? I went to buy buy a franchise. Okay, I have a different story. I won the lottery the second day it started in California. Wait a minute. I didn't know any of this. You won the lottery? Yeah, okay. $5,000 was the most you could win in 1985. I was going down to visit some friends at San Diego State. I just won $5,000 in 1985 money, right? It's a Friday night, and I end up 10 minutes from Tijuana. I take that money. I come back. I take my folks to dinner. I take a big chunk of it, and I put it into one stock because I like to take risk. I make 30% of my money in less than six weeks. I'm flipping cars to pay my way through college. I didn't know it was illegal, but I was being an entrepreneur. (laughs) I, I refinance my cars. I take my money out of the market. I try to buy a franchise, but no one will sell me one, so I open up a deli. I even built the counter in my dad's garage. Yeah. And you know what? I did pretty well. Yeah. So at the end of about two years, I now have enough money to pay my way through college as long as I go to Cal State. No one at that time had finished four-year degrees in my family. So I sell the business. I'm going to college. I read in the paper to be a summer intern in Washington, D.C. with my local congressman. Never met the guy, but thought he'd be lucky to have me. So I apply. And you know what he did? He turned me down. But you want to know what the end of the story is? I now sit in the seat I could not get an internship for. Isn't that amazing? Only in America can that happen, and we've got to make sure it happens again. I got, you've got to do me a favor. Yes. There's no damn good deli anywhere near I li- where I live in Virginia. <laughs> to tell you, I can't get a corned beef sandwich on rye around here. I'm just messing with you. Congressman, yeah. I want to thank you. You've been t- terrific. I appreciate right. it. You have a great day. All right. God bless. Well, Mr. Producer, he sounds very, very solid, doesn't he? Yes. This phase four, I should tell you folks, and I won't get into particulars here. I had a discussion last night with a very, 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 very powerful individual about this. You can fill in the blank. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you and your family are finding yourself at home with extra time on your hands these days, I know an excellent way to fill it. Take a free online course from Hillsdale College. Hillsdale offers dozens of online courses on topics, including the U.S. Constitution, economics, history, and literature. Right in your own home, on demand, and absolutely free of charge. Hillsdale students learn the inspiring history of America. Now you can, too, with Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Great American Story, A Land of Hope. Learning and teaching our children about America's past is essential for preserving liberty in the future. Register right now to take this free online course, The Great American Story. It's a production masterpiece, and it paints a picture of America as a land of hope founded on high principles. This course and dozens of others on a variety of topics are available to you and your family for free right now. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. 
It's a lot of pressure out there to massively expand even further the federal government, to massively expand even further our debt. And this is ground zero for fighting it. So if we can get Kevin McCarthy on the program and have a very positive discussion with him, and he's, he understands, he says he gets it, and that he agrees, um, maybe we can break through some of the advisors in there in Washington. You've got all these special interests who are just dying to get more money, law firms, CPA firms. I, I mean, I can go on and on. It's just, uh, uh, and of course, the, the ones with the biggest uh, special interest and uh, best lobbyists are the ones that get the most. It's enough of this. Even the best intentions, they suck the life out of it. Let's go to a call or two. Don, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the great KVOR. Don, go right ahead, please. Yes, hello. Uh, yes, please lower the radio. Yes, I did. Thank you. All right, go for it. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Um, I'm calling about um, basically the subject is reopening businesses, the response by government to uh, go ahead and do that kind of activity. Mm-hmm. I think it should be done on all levels, state uh, local and uh, federal. And uh, my backup documentation and reason rationale for this is that I've been a re- registered professional nurse for 43 years, and I worked in the busiest ERs and ICUs in New York City and other places. But the main thing is that during 43 years of being on the field, you know, in the, in the front lines, and not six feet away, but six inches away from your patients, I never got sick. In other words, every day that I came into work, I was able to, so to speak, gain an antibody for my own, for myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hate to say to you, you, you use the word, I'm ga- gaining a mini vaccine every day. I, I really hate to use that kind of expression. But really, by being exposed to people on a small basis, not on a critical basis, if, you, if it's critical, you absolutely do need a mask in the, in the uh, ICU, but uh, if you get that little antibiotic, antibiotics every day by working just a regular plain old shift in 43 years, I never got sick. Well, Don, and- I want to thank you. That music means i got to dance off for this hour. We'll be back for the next hour and the next hour after that. We've had experts here tell us this. I've read you experts. Scholars have said the same thing. On and on and on. And the reason they keep talking about a next phase is because they won't take the foot off the throat of the American people. They need to do it now. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Trust but verify. Reagan was right. Nonetheless, you heard uh, Republican House Leader Kevin McCarthy on the program. Uh, And if you did not, you can hear it on our uh, archive after the program on MarkLevinShow.com website. And he made it abundantly clear that uh, he wants votes now in the House. Enough of this proxy stuff. 
He also made it abundantly clear he is not um, uh, celebrating or encouraging or embracing a so-called fourth phase. Certainly not now. And I think this program, I think you folks picked up your phones and sent your emails to your members of Congress and it's having an impact. And you need to keep it up. Because I'm going to give you another piece of information. This is from Fox News. McConnell says Senate not interested in sending money to states trying to take advantage of coronavirus. Now, by the way, this Governor Kemp of Georgia is now under full frontal attack by the national media. Because he's one of the governors who's going first to slowly open his economy. He's under full frontal attack. And just to show you how dishonest and unfair the media are, during the president's press conference, they asked Dr. Fauci. I've had enough of Dr. Fauci. No more microphones. Sit down. Do your job. Stop telling us about the economy. You don't know a damn thing about the economy. And so this reporter, and she's in there a lot. She's relatively young, and she's a big mouth. She attacks Kemp. What would you say to Governor Kemp, Dr. Fauci, who wants to open his economy and do this, that, and the other thing? And so what does Fauci say? Rather than say, look, I'm not commenting on individual cases, what does he say? He looks for the opportunity to attack the governor. I'm not the, uh, the governor, obviously, and he didn't ask me for my input. But if I was advising the governor, I would tell the governor... That it's not a good idea that, you know, you could expose a lot of people in your state to it. So if I was advising him, I'd say, no, I wouldn't do that. But you're not advising him. Just advise the president. You got 50 states. Oh, you hear about this federalism, 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 except when it comes to what? The Constitution, the economy, and all the rest. It's only federalism, what I call one-way federalism, which isn't federalism at all. And my friend Mike Lee reminded me yesterday, in Liberty and Tyranny, I went back and looked it up. I call this crony federalism. Crony federalism. But who gives a damn what Dr. Fauci has to say about what's going on in Georgia? This is the guy that told us at the end of January this wasn't going to be that big a deal. He wouldn't be my doctor, I can tell you that. Would he be yours, Mr. Producer? It's not a big deal, and now that's a cancer at the heart of the country. So I'm going to take another look at this Governor Kemp. I've been condemning the hell out of this guy because he won't endorse Doug Collins for the Senate, who I happen to like a whole lot. But I need to find out more about this guy because he's standing up to the groupthink of the the American media, the PAC mentality of the American media, And he's taking cheap shots left and right. He's not there to answer that question. He's not there to explain how he's opening his economy. The medical uh, uh, advisors that he's listening to and so forth and so on. And here he is in national media being slimed and slammed. I wish you were my governor. I'm stuck with uh, Mr. White Robes and Blackface here, the governor of uh, Virginia. Suddenly they love him over there at the Washington Compost. Why? Because he lurched hard left. He figured it out. You can do anything, anything. Drive off a Chappaquiddick Bridge. Fondle a woman in your office. That's the allegation against Biden. Do anything you want. The Washington Post editorial page will support you. 
as long as you support infanticide, as long as you oppose the Second Amendment, as long as you're crushing dissent in your state, and on and on and on. Tyrants. Totalitarians. All of them. This guy Kemp, the governor of Jersey, he can't even defend himself. He's not even available. Some reporter. Some Dr. Fauci. Fauci's been wrong a lot. So has Burks. If I had the time, I'd put together a timeline on what they've said and done. And there's Fauci again, covering his butt. Uh, of course, there's going to be uh, another wave of this, another phase. Uh, just depends how we handle it. We'll be better ready this time, of course. But, you know, we got a phase one, phase two. I feel like it's a Mao's five-year plan here. Or Stalin's five-year plan. They all have these plans. I got a plan. Uh-oh. Yes, it's a plan. Very, very worrisome. But here's the piece on McConnell. And McConnell should be encouraged in this regard. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell told Bill Hemmer reports Wednesday at Fox he has no plans to pass legislation to provide additional federal funding to state and local governments. We said are trying to take advantage of the coronavirus crisis to get help with their ballooning deficits. He is exactly right. We're not interested in revenue replacement for state governments, he said. We're interested in trying to help them with anything related to the coronavirus. But we're not interested in solving their pension problems and all these other things that they would like for us to finance. McConnell announced he's open to allowing states to declare bankruptcy rather than sending additional federal money to governors who've been imploring Washington for urgent fiscal help. You know what? He happens to be right about that. I know. I think I'm going to get hit by lightning here. What I'm saying is, we will take a pause. We're going to wait at least until May the 4th before we provide assistance to state and local governments who would love for us to borrow money from future generations to make sure that they have no revenue losses. And before we make that decision, we're going to weigh the impact of what we've already added to the national debt and make certain that if we provide additional assistance for state and local government, it's only for coronavirus-related matters. We're not going to let them take advantage of this pandemic to solve a lot of problems and bad decisions they've made in the past. Now, let me say this. He will come under attack for this. You know, it's, if you're a Democrat and a leftist and a socialist and a Marxist, man, life is a lot easier. It just is a lot easier. It's a lot easier. Ask Joe Biden. The man has lost most of his mind, and he is credibly accused of sexually assaulting a staffer. Ask what Brett Kavanaugh thinks about that, or Clarence Thomas thinks about that. The different treatment you get. And Kavanaugh, there was no. There was no believable witness. It was all a fiction. Same with Clarence Thomas. There was no believable witness. I was there. I remember Anita Hill. Nobody believed her. She's a fraud. She was a fraud anyway. In my humble opinion, of course. Now, I don't know if McConnell will stand strong. He buckles a lot. I'm hoping he does. I'm hoping McCarthy stands strong, too. But have you noticed, folks, a little bit of change in the discussion nationwide? A little bit of change in the discussion among Republican leaders in the House and the Senate? That's you. That's this show. 
I get a call from other hosts from time to time, get calls. You know, Mark, I was out there before. I said, no, you weren't. And you're so meek and so passive. I don't think you can say that about the first hour of this show last night. And really, the, on, the only operation that picked up on it was Fox News. None of the other conservative uh, websites picked up on it because they didn't want to upset the administration, I guess. But I can tell you the president's not upset with me in the least. He wants to hear from all sides. He wants to know what we think. That doesn't mean in the end he'll agree. But he is open to opinions. If you're out to destroy him and sabotage him, that's a whole different issue. But if you have a legitimate gripe or you have a legitimate concern, this man listens. He listens. When we come back, you want to have a little fun, Mr. Producer? America? We're going to go to the Drudge page and read all the headlines that are over there at the Drudge page. All the headlines. I'll be right back. Mark In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. question? Of course I may. I control the microphone. Dr. Fauci, how come you don't wear a mask at these press conferences just to demonstrate to the American people that you're in, you're in, you're in the same camp? You advise people to wear masks. How come you don't? We have Governor Hogan who says basically if you go in public places, you need to wear a mask. Does Governor Hogan wear a mask? Does Governor Cuomo wear a mask? Tells people going to grocery stores, you better wear a mask. No, he doesn't. How about Dr. Burks? She's, we know she's got more scarves than Imelda Marcos had shoes. Well, why, how come she never wraps it around her nose and her mouth to show everybody how to use a scarf as a mask? I'm quite serious about this. There's one guy in there who wears a mask in the press room. And nobody else. And they're attacking this Governor Kemp. Why aren't all the other press people wearing masks? I'm quite serious about this. I'm very serious about this. It's bizarre. There they are. What are there, 10, 15, 20 of them in one room? I happen to know that press room is not big. I don't care if they're social distancing six feet apart. 
How about this? Why doesn't Dr. Fauci live the life that the governor of Michigan expects her citizens to live? Dress the way she expects them to dress. Why doesn't somebody send... No, never mind. But why doesn't Dr. Fauci comply with the Michigan guidelines? See how he likes it. All I know is he's everywhere. He's not wearing masks. He's not leading by example. And he's the guy giving all the advice. He is the Svengali. And Burks too. There she is, the scarves around her neck, day in and day out. I don't have any scarves. It's amazing. I've never seen anything like this. And she doesn't wear it around her face. No, of course not. Well, why not? What is it? What the, good for the goose, good for the gander. All these press people don't... I mean, why aren't they reporting? Have you seen a press person reporting with a mask on? And by the way, some of them can use masks, if you know what I mean. In fact, they could use paper bags over their heads. But that's a secondary point. When I see this Jim Acosta, I say to myself, why aren't you wearing a mask? You got spittle flying out of your big mouth all over the place. You're a coronavirus provider. A living, breathing coronavirus problem. He's not wearing a mask. Wolf Blitzer... He's getting up there. He should be wearing a mask, I would think. Wouldn't you? I would think so. Now, by the way, this Joe Scarborough and Mika reporting from Jupiter, Florida, with the fake background. I keep telling you folks this. It's so ridiculous what they do. If I'm in Jupiter, Florida, I tell you I'm in Jupiter, Florida. I don't pretend I'm in Washington, D.C., why aren't they wearing masks? Now, Joe has to have a customized mask. Do you wear this, Mr. Producer? He's got that big, bulbous W.C. Fields nose. So a lot of masks, well, they're not going to matter for him. So he's got to get it custom made. So get it custom made. So what? There are places that'll do it. Or put a bag over your head and cut out a few eye holes. That's my attitude. And look at this Newsweek. Somebody name of A-I-L-A. I don't even know if that's a male or a female or if they're transitioning or they already transitioned. I don't know what the hell's going on there. Slisko, C-L-I-S-K-O, if that is the name. Coronavirus deaths greater among Fox News viewers that prefer Hannity over Tucker Carlson, study says. So serious is this virus, this pandemic, that this is what Newsweek does. So serious are the media about helping the American people cope with this, this is what the news media do. Fox News disputes the findings of a new study that suggests regular viewers of the show Hannity were more likely to die from coronavirus than those who preferred Tucker Carlson tonight. Actually, I thought uh, more people who watched Fredo Cuomo would die. The study titled Misinformation During a Pandemic was first published Sunday by the University of Chicago Becker Friedman Institute for Economics. Researchers asserted that reduced incidences of COVID-19 and lower death rates among Fox News viewers were associated a more serious view of the health care crisis taken earlier by Tucker Carlson. Well, Tucker Carlson now is promoting opening up our economies. 
So I don't know where he stands, quite frankly. It's all right. I don't know if this is a joke, this piece, or what this is. I have no idea. Doesn't say it's a joke. And you know the sad thing is? It's Newsweek. And if you don't know if it's a joke or a serious piece in Newsweek, that tells you Newsweek is a joke. Of course, Newsweek doesn't really exist anymore. Try and buy a Newsweek magazine. They're online. Time magazine. Oh, online now. Just a matter for the New York Slime. Matter of time in the Washington Compost. Although the Washington Compost was bought by the wealthiest man on the face of the planet. So those people there have nothing to worry about. No wonder they're, why should we open the economy? Why should we open the economy? Why, why should we open the economy? After all, we're paid. We have jobs. We sit on our fat asses and we sit at a computer and we type and type and type. We love trashing the president. You should see how much we get for trashing the president here. I think I said I was going to go to the Drudge Report, didn't I, Mr. Producer? I may have to do that after the break because we're getting compelling science and information there. He claims to be getting a whole lot of hits. And we, obviously we know that's, that's why the world exists. They get Matt Drudge hits on his website. But I suspect the hits aren't that great. Although his new marriage with CNN, they suggest, oh yes, no, 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 you don't understand. Matt, Matt's, he's getting hits all over the place. So let's take a look and see why he's getting hits all over the place. I'm just curious. I don't know. Let's see here. Let's begin anyway. Oh, here we go. Top left. U.S. deaths top 47,000. Model raises prediction. California bans protests on state property. Vegas mayor offers open city as control group. We've had viruses for years, she says. Big unknowns complicate getting back to normal. German shoppers not rushing back in. It can survive in the eyes. Five threats to food supply. Meat packing plants worse than first thought. Update, NIH treatment guidelines reject Trump-backed drug combo. Top vaccine doctor says concern led to ouster. World sick map, America sick map. Big headline, Trump reverses course. Too soon for Georgia to open. My God. My God, not only am I going to shudder in place, I think I'm going to hide under my desk, Mr. Producer. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. This is America's Constitutional Convention. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now. 877-381-3811. You know, you cannot take your ability to reason and park it during a crisis. I don't know if it was six weeks ago or eight weeks ago. The CDC or was it the FDA or who the hell knows what it was. 
when the issue of masks came up, they said, as you know, they're not going to be useful. Don't get the masks. And I turned to my wife and I turned to my stepdaughter, who is a medical student, and I said, what? And that night I went online and I ordered some masks, surgical masks. They were rather easy to get. They weren't that expensive. Not hoarding them, I just ordered some. And the reason was, I knew that was BS. How could that be? How could that be? I knew it couldn't hurt you. It could only help you. Well, the, the virus can get in through the sides, or maybe you'll suffocate yourself. I mean, what are we, three years old? And they're still going at it. Well, people don't know how to wear it. Yeah, I think we know how to wear masks. I think a lot of us know how to wear masks. It's not exactly rocket scientists. I don't need a government scientist or a government medical expert to tell me how to wear a mask. You know, surgeons do surgery. They have masks. You walk into an emergency room, people are coughing and hacking and all kinds of crap going on. The nurses, many of them wear masks. The doctors are wearing masks. And then they tell you the masks are not effective. Well, I knew that was BS. So you got to use your own reasoning to protect yourself and your family from time to time. I'll give you another example. When I go into a supermarket, supermarkets to me a big grocery store, a grocery store. You know what I do, Mr. Producer? I see, okay, what shelves are empty? Now I'm doing this because, you know, I'm observing just from a social perspective and I want to talk to you about it. But also I want to know what the market's doing. The market, my immediate community, my neighbors, what are they, why are they hoarding this stuff? Why can't you get liquid soap, for God's sakes? Early on, toilet paper, I came back to my wife, this is like six weeks. I said, man, there's a run on toilet paper. What the hell's going on? When I first went to the local grocery store, they had plenty of rubber gloves. I thought they were running a little uh, proctology operation out there. No, there are plenty of rubber gloves. Plenty of wet ones, plenty of wet when this first happened. Now there's nothing. So you got to use your head. You got to be ahead of the curve. So what did I do when I was there? And I saw there was a run on gloves, but, the, but it wasn't noticed in a run on these wet ones. Did I, did I take my cart and grab every one? No. I got a few boxes. A couple of boxes of gloves that were there. And some of the wet ones. Something's going on. So you've got to be responsible. You don't have to be a hoarder. You don't have to be, just be responsible. It's like in your own life. I don't need Dr. Fauci to tell me how to live. Just give me the facts. Give me the facts, doctor. Well, you should hunker down. You should look to the left. Make sure you pray to Mecca. You, you get, I don't need all that. I don't need it all. Just give me the facts. And they had trouble giving us the facts. But they were giving us information anyway. Well, 1.5 to 2.2 million dead. 100,000, dead. The models, Chris Murray. Chris Murray of Washington State. I'm there. What the hell's Chris Murray of what doesn't matter? He's got models. Model, he's the model man. Oh, Chris Murray. That Chris Murray. Yes, the model man. Now, well, look at this. We're down to 80,000, down to 60,000. How? Because we're so brilliant here in the government. It's very simple. 
if you destroy your economy and you don't socialize and you stay in your house and you live like a trapped veal, nothing will happen. No, there's no problem. No economy, no extended family. Don't walk in the park, don't swim in the ocean, don't blow your nose, don't pick this, don't do Just do what we tell you, you'll be fine. Until the next phase, the next wave comes. Next wave, what the hell are you? Oh, got the next phase. And not only that, they're going to have the next phase with the flu. Oh my God, the next phase with the flu? Oh, the flu, the next phase. Then we're going to have locusts. We've never seen anything like this. Oh, my God. Then we're going to need more ventilators. We have enough ventilators. Ah, more. Then we need more beds. Bed. Cuomo says beds. We need beds. Oh, no, we don't need beds. Sorry. Send the ship back now. We just need to spend. Well, this governor would like to open his economy. Get him. Get him. Get him. Can't have that. He's not listening. I was advising him, you know, I'd be telling him that's not a good idea to do that. No, no. I wouldn't do that if, you know, giving my expertise in medicine and models and data. No, 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 I wouldn't do that. Dr. Burks? Well, Chris Murray, uh, as, as we all know, in Washington State, Chris Murray. Uh, Chris Murray advised, ah, Chris Murray. Of course, Chris Murray. Have I heard that before? Oh, that Chris Murray. Well, how about Chris Murray, some model? I mean, I might as well be a modeler. And then, and, then they, and then they come out with this. Hey, look, models are never, never perfect. Uh, perfect? Perfect? That's like confusing planets. You know, that's like confusing pl- Pluto with Uranus, Mr. Producer. Now, the model's not perfect, you know... 2.2 million, 60,000, what's a few lives in between, right? Just, just stay in your house and shut up. No protests. And you evangelical Christians and you Orthodox Jews, stay put. Who the hell do you think you are? I'd like to get in my car, drive to my parish, you know, stay in the car. We're hermetically sealed. I won't get, try it. We're going to arrest you. What? Oh, yes. You don't defy the governor of Michigan. Not now, not ever. What's her face? No, 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 no. And the gun stores, got to show, uh, close those. Why? We'll make sure there's not more than 10 people. There's six feet of, I don't care. Got to close the gun store. And while we're at it, we got to change the voting system in our country so only Democrats can win. Yes. We got to spend like drunken Marxists. Yes, that's the answer. And anyone who objects, the media are there to help us. Oh, we're going to destroy Fox News and conservative talk radio. And this poor guy, Alex Berenson, who stepped out of the New York Times, and he's a former New York Times reporter, he dares to ask questions. And Levin, even though he's been right every step of the way on the fatality rate, not because he's an expert. In fact, he's a pedestrian. It's because he follows the experts. Oh. And then there's going to be the next phase. Oh, the next phase. Oh, yes. Get ready for the next phase. Well, I got my masks. Got my gloves. I'm all set. I'm all ready. 
You know what, Mr. Producer? And I say this with no amount of sarcasm or tongue-in-cheek. Maybe these women that have these burkas, I see them every now and then, head to toe, only eye slots, so you can see out. Maybe they were onto something. Maybe they were onto something. Maybe we ought all to dress like that, right? I mean, there's something to be said for that. I bet Dr. Fauci thinks that's, except for himself, of course. Nothing touches you. You don't shake hands. Spittle, you're spittle-free from the guy across the street. You're safe. Nothing will happen to you. You know, computer systems and cars are the new normal, from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But you can't fix any of these new features yourself, so when something breaks, it could cost a fortune. Now is not the time for expensive repairs. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for a covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. CarShield gives you options others won't. You get, a ch- you get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. CarShield has helped over 1 million customers, so drive with confidence knowing you got coverage from America's number one auto protection company. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands for a covered repair. My, my friends, my sponsors are going to save you money. Call 800-CAR-6000 and mention code LEVIN. 800-CAR-6000, mention code LEVIN. 10% off. Used to be 5%. 10%. Or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN, carshield.com, code L-E-V-I-N. You'll also save 10%. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN, 800-CAR-6000, code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. Yes, Governor Kemp has dared to stand out in Georgia. We must destroy him. Governor DeSantis in Florida. He's actually allowing human beings on the beach. He's what? On the beach. We can't allow that. The Miami Herald's not going to allow that. No way. Yes. The governor of South Carolina. We must destroy these men. Cuomo. Oh. Did you know we have one governor in this country? Slow Andrew Cuomo. And he sits there like a dumbass. I have to say... Uh, I think, uh, and go, wow, this man's brilliant. It's like Dr. Professor Aaron Corey going off and on. He's so brilliant. What did he say today? Let's see here. Where's my cut? Let's go to cut six. Let's listen to the genius, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. They're also saying, if you can't afford to pay me unemployment or, you, or your system you is will not be set paid. up. You will be paid. But unemployment they, they can't from wait the day. for the money. They, they can't wait for that's the That's why you are. Hey, that's why you open the economy. So people don't have to be on unemployment. So they can get a job and get paid. But Cuomo has the answer. All you people who are unemployed, thanks to Cuomo, thanks to the governor of California, Thanks to the governor of New Jersey, the governor of Illinois, all the geniuses that have these massive debts, open borders, all the progressive crackpot geniuses having the biggest problems. What's Cuomo's fix? You know, he's always always telling everybody, he has no plan. He has no post-coronavirus. Hey, the feds, I need the feds, the federal government, hey, 
We need money. We need ventilators. We need beds. We need, we need, you got to tell us what to do and tell us what to do. Trump says, all right, I'll tell you what to do. Federalism. 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 Wait a minute, you just told us you wanted everything. Federalism. But I need this and I want this and you got to pay my pensions and I got a debt. What do you expect? One little state. We can't go on the open market and buy anything. It doesn't. Okay, okay. Now we're going to tell you how to open your. What? You're not telling me anything. I'm Andrew Cuomo. Then you have people on TV and radio saying, can't we all get along? They're all like Rodney King. Can't we all get along? Now's not the time for fighting. No, ladies and gentlemen, now's the time to fight for your liberty. Now's the time to fight for your job. Now's the time to fight for your business. Now's the time to fight for your constitution and your country. Don't believe this bipartisan crap. This is the Democrat Party of 30 or 40 years ago. This is an entirely new element. That's cheering for your demise. Go ahead. What else with Cuomo? Go ahead. Out of money. Yeah, we're talking about a couple of days lag on the unemployment insurance, and they will get the checks. Does does anything work in New York under this governor? Anything work? Well, you know, you you, a couple days lag. You you can you can go on a you know go on a diet. uh, You know. Go on a diet, pretend it's Lent, just uh, just, uh, just starve yourself for a day or two, or something like that. That's all, Yom Kippur, you know, just, just hang in there, make it a religious moment. We'll give you some money in a day or two, everything's fine. Go ahead. The date of unemployment does not cost them an extra penny. Now, they can say, unemployment insurance isn't enough. I get it. Uh, even with the $600 check and the $1,200 check and the unemployment insurance benefit is not enough. I understand the economic hardship. We all feel it. No, you don't feel it. You're full of crap, and you don't understand it, and you don't give a damn. Which is why you're not opening parts of your states that barely even have the coronavirus. You're an ideologue and an idiot. Go ahead. What do you do about it? And do you put public health at risk? And do you I don't know. Do you put public health at risk when you pick solar panels over ventilators? When you slash the number of uh, uh, beds in your state from 77,000 to 50 thousand? I don't know. Public health at risk? I'm not done with him. I'll be right back. Lovin. you have no idea how to reopen now. So they're saying that is there a fundamental right to work if the government can't get me the money when I need it? Is there yeah, a fundamental right to work? You want to go, right you to, go, go to, work? to work? Go take a job as an essential worker. Do it tomorrow. Right? You're working. I am. You're an essential worker. So go take a job as an but, essential worker. But, but the people aren't hiring because of the No, pandemic. there are people hiring. You can get a job as an essential worker. So now you can go to work and you can be an essential worker and you're not going to kill anyone. That is amazing. So all you barbers out there, all you people work at nail salons, 
All you blue-collar workers, you thought you were liberal Democrats, this is what he thinks of you. Just join this other class of workers, where we, the governors, deign you an essential worker. We'll even give you a special card, the Department of Homeland Security. When this is over, I'm framing my letter as an essential worker. My papers! I have papers! And I have a pass! So I can drive in any state. Which, of course, if you knew me, you would know I wouldn't. Isn't that amazing? But don't worry. When it comes to babies, and when it comes to non-essential workers, the governor has no heart. Now, what are non-essential workers? It's whatever the governor says are non-essential workers. It's amazing, isn't it? It's sickening. The totalitarian mindset of the left and too many in the Republican Party. So now we're going to bring on Democrat left-wing governors of failed states to comment on the governor of Georgia. I've never seen such cheap shots against this guy in my life. So the reporters attacking the governor at the presidential press conference, president attacks him, Fauci attacks him, man can't defend himself and even explain what he's doing to the American people. Now we're bringing on Democrat governors to attack the governor of Georgia. What kind, what kind of reporting is this? What kind of news is this? Now these, these reporters and all the rest of them, they have jobs, the ones who are attacking him. These governors have jobs. This governor, George, has compassion for the non-essential workers, which obviously the governor of New York does not. It's incredible to me. All right. Man, oh man, Ashevitz, we've got a lot more to do. I hope you'll stick with us. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, it's an amazing thing. We've been talking about the violation of civil liberties here for weeks. Nobody else would even touch it. We've been talking about the preposterous fatality rates, almost from day one, that our experts, Dr. Fauci and others, that our experts were feeding to us. 
I said, no way. I was accused of doing these things for political reasons, because it would help the president. I have no idea how it would help the president or hurt the president. One has nothing to do with the other. One has nothing to do with the other. We introduced the country to Dr. Ioannidis at Stanford in his March 17th article on statnews.com. Not exactly a popular site. And we gave additional voice to Dr. Katz, who had written an op-ed in the New York Times on March 20th, which was in so many ways ignored as well, except by a handful of people. I have been, look, I'm skeptical of big government. That's not to say we don't need government. That's not to say that, you know, sometimes there are impositions on individuals. Obviously. I'm not a radical libertarian. I'm not an anarchist. I'm a constitutionalist. But the problem with government is it always goes too far. It never knows how to police itself. It never knows when to hit the brakes. And so now it's on a massive spending binge and a massive attack on civil liberties. Ah, look at that. Dr. Ioannidis, Mr. Professor, uh, Mr. Producer on television. How do you like that? Anyway, that's why we have a constitution. The founders of this country and the framers of the Constitution were equally concerned. Were equally concerned. What they did not count on, and one of the problems we have now, is the way that our press conducts itself. You know, and I pointed out an unfreedom of the press, and maybe it's time to go back to that. The early American press wasn't really a press. Very early was one man and a few men with printing presses, which was a very, very difficult process. And as time went on, these were individuals, these were men, who would put out pamphlets or maybe, maybe a small, short newspaper. And I, I call it the Patriot Press, because back then they would give you the news from England or if they knew, and the, and the news would always come late for obvious reasons sometimes as much as six months late. But the force for liberty, the force for representative government, the force for faith, the force for private property rights came out of the Patriot Press. Before there was a constitutional convention, there was a Patriot Press. Before there was a Declaration of Independence, there was a Patriot Press. Before the so-called official beginning of the Revolutionary War, there was a Patriot Press. A Patriot Press. That advanced the cause of human liberty. You look at most of cable, not all, but most of cable. You look at most of the newspapers today. Network news. These are not forces for liberty. These are not forces for representative government, for private property rights. Uh, 
about 100 years ago, actually more than 100 years ago, about 120 years, 130 years ago, there was a movement that had developed, starting with intellectuals, that really was an effort to project Marxism, if you will, or Hegelism, onto our society. And I write about this in Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. It's not a simple book, but it is what it is. It was a true counter-revolution against the American Revolution. And these intellectuals, so-called, Woodrow Wilson, wasn't just Wilson. Theodore Roosevelt embraced this too. They rejected the limits, in fact, resented the limits placed on their ability to rejigger society to re-engineer society that the Constitution placed on society. And they wrote extensively about it. Very smart people. And I've written almost everything, excuse me, read almost everything they've written, and I write about it in the book. They attack relentlessly the framers of the Constitution. They attack relentlessly the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence emphasizes the relationship between the individual and society and the relationship between the individual and God. There's nothing in the Declaration of Independence that promotes government. In fact, the contrary. It promotes the ability to rise up against unjust governments. The Constitution, they hate even more. And the way they write about this and talk about it is, those people back then in that generation, just because a few of them met in Philadelphia, and a few more of them met in their state capitals, and they passed this Constitution, they have no right to impose that on the rest of us. Every generation has the right to decide what kind of government and what kind of society it wants to be. So there is this endless attack on the Constitution. And the most poisonous aspect of this is, as I've said a thousand times, they use the Constitution to destroy the Constitution like they did with the impeachment of the president. They will wave around the Constitution, spin its meaning. It's living and breathing, don't you know? The text doesn't mean a hell of a lot unless they agree with it. It's like elections. They oppose elections unless they win. And they have spent 120 years unraveling our Constitution. 120 years dismissing our Declaration with this this constant attack on our civil society. Led in many ways by the current media. Patriot media. And now we have what I call the Democrat Party press in my book. And the Democrat Party has been a party, not all the time, but too much of the time, that has been extremely evil. The Civil War was fought north against south in most ways, but it was also fought against the Democrat Party. The Republican Party came into existence to oppose slavery and oppose the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party, even after the Civil War, 
would not abandon its racism. That was the core of the Democrat Party. So we have decades, decades of the brutalization of blacks and others who supported them and their freedom. Decades of resistance in, in the Confederate States. What were the Confederate States? The Democrat Party. Then we have the, the Klan. The Klan has always been an offshoot of the Democrat Party. The Klan. And the Klan had power. In some little areas it still does, but it had enormous power over the Democrat Party, over its platform. The Democrat Party couldn't get a passage in its platform in the early 1920s, rejecting lynching. The Democrat Party today has taken a different tact. It embraces minorities. But it doesn't embrace minorities because it believes in liberty. It embraces minorities because it believes in power. And so it has embraced this progressive movement, which is a soft Marxist movement. And so they seek massive spending. They seek massive centralization of power. They seek to control the courts. They seek to control elections. Why? They're not interested in representing the people. They're interested in controlling the people, manipulating the people. This is what Marxism is about, Hegelism is about, Rousseauism is about. It's about progressivism. And you know, like the Palestinians stole the name Palestinian, because that Palestine, Palestinian, it sounds like these... These folks are, uh, you know, that they're the, uh, the native souls of, of Palestine. Now they call it the progressive movement. When there's nothing really progressive about it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Could it be... And I'll ask my next guest, a great guy, brilliant young man for Conservative Review. I will ask uh, Daniel uh, Horowitz in a moment. Um, could it be that the Washington Post 
lobbies for the government, excuse me, for the economy staying closed because Amazon's making profits like never before and Bezos owns the Washington Post. Could that be, Daniel Horowitz, a possibility? Hey, it's great to be back with you, Mark. Um, It absolutely could be a possibility. I actually just saw that a number of big lobbying groups just posted record, record lobbying expenditures for this quarter. Facebook um, posted just for the first quarter of this year $5.3 million in lobbying expenditures, Chamber of Commerce, um, lots of other, pharma, the AMA. So I absolutely think that is a possibility, and that's exactly why we're seeing the legislative outcomes we see every day. I mean, why would the richest men on the face of the earth pour money into a newspaper when nobody does that anymore, unless really they want to immunize themselves from criticism or use them to manipulate events? Well, I mean, I think this is exactly why Justice Robert Jackson said in the famous Youngstown case that there is no emergency exception in the Constitution, except for one with habeas corpus, because they feared that in a time of emergency, our government would be arbitrary and capricious and use different loopholes to just pay off different benefactors and screw others. I mean, and that's what we're seeing today. And as you mentioned earlier, there's no debate in Congress. Let me ask you this. People like to look back at the Civil War and say that Lincoln, he suspended habeas corpus. Now, this is in the middle of the Civil War. I mean, you know, all respect to the virus, it's not the Civil War, for God's sakes. Now, he suspended habeas corpus. Now, by the way, Congress went back afterwards and confirmed his decision and voted to suspend it. But the president doesn't have the power to do it. Oddly enough, Congress does under the Constitution. Now, that said, do we not have governors suspending the First Amendment freedom of speech, freedom of association? And do we not have a media that supports the most tyrannical of the governors? You know, I'm glad you're bringing this up because I'm sick of hearing this notion that states could do whatever they want, that governors are somehow king. Yes, governors can control internal affairs, police powers, a lot more encompassing in your daily lives than the federal government can do. But there are limitations. Obviously, Article 4, Section 2 ensures that they can infringe upon uh, privileges and immunities. Now, there was no way for the federal government to enforce that. In came the 14th Amendment, the first clause, uh, the Privileges and Immunities Clause, which Clarence Thomas always rightfully says, bound the governors to the Bill of Rights, and it gave Congress, not the federal courts, but Congress, the ability to enforce those restrictions on the states. And that's the question. Where is Congress? We all support a degree of distancing and a degree of prudence, but it has to be narrowly tailored to achieve a vital state interest. Going after a guy in a boat or an individual in a car while leaving open subways is not narrowly tailored. Let me put even a finer point on it. The Bill of Rights belonged to whom? The individual. Yep. Okay, since when can governors issue dictates that I would argue in certain circumstances are violating the First Amendment to the Constitution? And don't give me plenary police powers. Excuse me. These are carve-outs for you and me. The governors don't have power, not under federalism, not under any other ism, to violate the federal Constitution, and particularly the Bill of Rights. 
Mark, is it interesting, and I know you wrote about this a lot in uh, Men in Black and, and elsewhere, how for, for the last 70 years, every single thing a state wants to do, whether it's election procedures, whether it's abortion regulation, whether it's simple definition of a marriage, simple internal affairs of, of a state, we're told that the unelected weakest branch of the federal government, the courts, could come in and commandeer and demand that a horse and a donkey be a marriage and demand 10 weeks of early voting. Yet when it comes to the most unalienable of rights, freedom of movement, uh, you know, traveling to your own family's home down the block in Michigan, uh, simply opening a business that doesn't engender crowds. We're told that they have plenary authority. And what happened to all the lawsuits? In fact, Mark, the only lawsuits we're seeing now are on behalf of criminals, illegal aliens being released, and abortion clinics. Mm -hmm. It's amazing, isn't it? And uh, the only voice I hear raising really concerns about this is the Attorney General of the United States. No, and, and, and kudos to him, and he's obviously talking about lawsuits, but, I mean, the Republicans do control the Senate, Mm-hmm. And I do think they have a tremendous amount of leverage if governors like my governor, Larry Hogan, who's the new president of the media, is going to bash Trump but then demand $500 billion from the federal printing presses to bail out his malfeasance and his bad decisions. Well, then it's time for Republicans in the Senate to say, look, if you want any more state funding, you are going to have to relinquish some of the restrictions that created a need for that funding. Well, you're not going to get it out of Congress because Nancy Pelosi runs the Senate and the House. Aren't you aware of that? Well, that, it certainly appears that in certain offices of the executive branch as well. Uh, can you stay for another uh, segment? Absolutely. All right, don't hang up. I want to get to this. Our friends at the Media Research Center. For over 30 years, the MRC has distinguished itself as one of the most effective conservative groups. They provide reliable, fact-driven information about the media because the American people deserve the truth. And one of the most important parts of the MRC is its CNS News website. It's an absolute must-read for conservatives. I bookmark it, and I read it every day. And you can learn more about CNS News and the rest of the MRC at mrclevin.org, mrclevin.org. That's mrclevin.org. I'm quite serious. Unlike CNN and MSNBC, the folks at CNS News actually cover the news. I want to encourage you to bookmark it. mrclevin.org. Check it out. I'll be right back with Daniel Horowitz. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S.
Mark Levin Show is tomorrow's morning show. You can reach Mark now at 877-381-3811. You know, I pride myself, ladies and gentlemen, for giving credit where credit is due. And I must confess that the idea of the Bezos uh, and his newspaper among those leading the charge against opening the economy, meeting retail businesses, came from my brilliant and beautiful wife. Don't you have a brilliant beautiful wife too, Daniel? Absolutely, and a newborn girl as well. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations. I want to read a headline to you in the Wall Street Journal, Daniel Horowitz of Conservative Review. Our restaurants can't reopen until August. Employees refuse to return to work as long as they're getting an extra $600 a week. Now, you and I, we talked about this. There were a handful of conservatives in the Senate that raised this. They rushed it through anyway. That is, we actually have uh, hourly people who earn hourly wages at restaurants and other places who are earning more money on unemployment and this federal $600, not to mention the $1,200 that they already get. And so it costs them money to return to work, so they're not going to return to work. In my state of Maryland, the average... A worker on unemployment would be making about sixty thousand a year if you annualize it, and that's tax free by the way so I mean there is no incentive in the world, especially if the media is telling everyone they're going to die if they go outside they're certainly going to stay home and this has been our problem with the entire approach from the Democrats from GOP leadership from those in the White House pushing it that they're saying we owe it to businesses to pay them. Now, number one, they don't deal with the antecedent of the problem, which is the shutdown and the tyranny, the unnecessary shutdown, the flawed science behind it. They're not debating it at all. But then number two is they're working against their own efforts. They're throwing the money into a black hole. If we're going to go into debt larger than World War II levels, at least let's invest in something, in deregulation, in suspending taxation for a year or two, and build up the country and get something for it. Instead, we're investing in not working. Some people are drawing World War II analogies. Uh, Mitch McConnell said this is a wartime level of spending, but it's not. This is not what we did in World War II. We did the opposite. We worked overtime. Uh, th- th- this makes no sense. Either you open up the country and then you'll minimize how much you have to pay out, or, as you say, if you keep it closed, there's no money in the world you could pay. It, 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 it's going to go out in two weeks, just like it expired um, the first round. Thomas Massey warned about it, and he was crushed like a bug by his own party. Um, he warned about this problem, and now they're saying we have to pass another bill without a recorded vote, which they did in the Senate yesterday, and we'll have another and another. And there's very few people who speak out. What happened to fiscal conservatism? Where are, where are these senators and these congressmen today? Um, in the same place as the social conservatives. Uh, they, they don't, they don't, I don't think they exist. I mean, I mean th- th- this is part of the problem. You look at the Democrats, and they came prepared. Governor Gavin Newsom of California said something to the effect of coronavirus is our opportunity to remake America in a progressive image. Mm-hmm. And you've got to give them credit. You know, jailbreak of criminals, check. Release of illegal aliens, check. More welfare and dependency and, and record debt, check. Um, the worst tyranny and infringement upon civil liberties we've ever seen, the worst surveillance, check. They get every outcome they want, yet notice we can't even get the common sense outcomes. A trigger to shut off travel from China. 
um, stuff dealing with deregulation. Um, we can't even get uh, a moratorium on worker visas when they're talking about 40% unemployment. Some, something the president was proposing, a serious 60-day restriction on immigration, and somebody got to him. Somebody, somebody, I don't know the name, so we can't throw him out. Somebody or some group of people in the White House persuaded him otherwise. Because as it turns out, and I've heard this too, as it turns out, this is really a paper tiger now. It, it literally changes nothing from what was happening right now. See, just logistically, we, we are locked in our homes. So, of course, we're not bringing in people. Actually, we are bringing in 1,000 Afghani refugees, but those are also exempted under the new order as well. So it's kind of, um, you know, it, it's not even a trade-off. It's the same thing. What the president originally mentioned was not just because of the logistics of the virus, but he mentioned a shutoff because of the labor issues, that there is such a scarcity of jobs out there. That's not a 60-day thing he was calling for. It was perhaps maybe one or two years. And, um, you know, now the, the most important uh, visas to cut off are the H-1B visas. Are you telling me Americans don't want white-collar entry-level jobs at this point? And then there's the other aspect of it, which is China gets 13% of those visas. So are we going to sit and respond to this by bringing in more Chinese workers when there's not all of them, but a tremendous amount of them are caught engaging in trade theft? And that really speaks to the sucking sound of our dependency and the outsourcing to China. I mean, that's like building a, a mosque on, on uh, ground zero after 9-11. Let me ask you this. This uh, Governor Kemp is trying to carefully and by phases open up his economy. He is under vicious attack by the media, all the media, by Dr. Fauci, by the governors of uh, Connecticut and New York. And uh, here's what I think is going on. Number one, they want to teach these governors a lesson. You dare to try and open up your economies in a significant way, we're going to destroy you. That's number one. Number two, he's really the first one out of the box in a big way. So everybody's nervous that what's going to happen now in Georgia is the virus is going to spread more. But at some point, the virus is going to spread more because we have what I'll call people who are effectively virgins, who haven't had the virus, and the virus isn't going to bypass them. The virus is going to slam them because they've been hiding in their homes under their tables at the orders of Dr. Fauci. And they're not going to be able to avoid a second hit or a seasonal hit. And now they're saying with the flu and all, well, that's on Fauci and his advisors because you have other experts that say, wait a minute, that's not the way we should be doing this. Protect the the, uh, populations that are most vulnerable. And then you have to allow the thing to go through the rest of the population, the vast majority of whom it really is not that harmful. This is a central question. I mean, how do you flatten a curve that you don't know when it began? How do you stop a spread when it has already spread, likely for several months, perhaps since December? This is what we're not debating. It makes no sense. And then obviously the exit question. How is this not our Afghanistan? Where's the exit strategy? Um, Like you mentioned, if you're locking everyone inside, you're not going to get herd immunity. And now they're admitting that we're we're not going to be immune to a second wave. We're going to get it. Now, the whole justification was... But but, but, wait a minute. But they're patting themselves on the back. I I watched this Fauci today during breaks. 
We're where we are today with less deaths because of what we've done. No, you're not. I've had experts and scholars on who know much more than he does about statistics. He's not a statistician. And they're, and they're, and they're epidemiologists. These are, the, these are some of the greatest minds. I admit they don't work for that government, but they are in universities like Yale and Stanford. And they say, no, this has always been nuts. These numbers were never right. So maybe, maybe there's some, some benefit to some extent, but maybe there's not. Because look at all the secondary uh, uh, health issues. For instance, said Daniel Horowitz, how many more people have died of heart disease, of diabetes, of cancer, and God knows what? Because there are now less hospitals, less hospital beds, less doctors, and less access to them. And calling things elective surgery doesn't make it so. Where are those statistics? Think about this. For years, the Democrats have told us that if you don't have socialized medicine, then you don't have access to health care. And if you don't have access to health care, I forgot what they said, but they said the Republican repeal of Obamacare bill would have killed X number of millions of people because they wouldn't get access to health care. Well, the university uh, hospital system in, in Ohio announced today that Every day they're losing $45 million, and they cut back their salaries by 20%, 4,000 staff. Imagine the health care behind that that is not being provided, and not because they're overrun in Ohio. They're not. It's because of the shutdown. They're prohibiting them. I have a relative in Ohio who lives right near the Cleveland Clinic, and they are not overrun, and he is in tremendous pain and needs a hip replacement he can't get it. We're not talking about breast implants here, Mark. We're talking about vital health care. How many people are going to die early because of it? But then there's one other big lie that they're not talking about, which is they're, they're obfuscating the difference between reasonable distancing, awareness, not touching services. We're all being very careful now, as most of us were not in December and January. But where is the value add between that level and full tyrannical lockdown? And there has been a number of analyses, state by state, country by country, studying when they began their lockdown. And there is no benefit. And in fact, the countries in Asia that powered through this had better results. Mm-hmm. Well, part of the problem we have in this country, Daniel Horowitz of conservative views, we don't really have a free press. We have propagandists. We have demagogues. We have really not particularly intelligent sort of a new wave of so-called journalists who advance the cause of uh, progressivism and social activism. And many of them, they're really political reporters, as my buddy Larry O'Connor likes to say. You've got political reporters who are sort of hangovers from the Russia debacle and all the rest of it. Now they're reporting on this, and they only know one thing. Attack, 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 not to inform, inform, inform. Well, I don't blame them. I mean, they're getting every policy result they ever wanted for 100 years out of this, so they're not going to let go. But what's so sad is typically they joined together historically to fight for the First Amendment. You're now having state governors, I saw in California, outlawing protests. So it's very convenient. You take away every right, the Fifth Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment, and then you say, well, look, it's a danger to assemble, so you can't protest what I'm doing either. And, you know, you would think the media would get involved. And then now you're also having censorship where people who are putting out very well-researched scholarly articles um, providing countervailing evidence to what the government narrative is, and they're being taken down at media. Uh, guess what? One, one of mine was hit. And one uh, of mine was hit at Facebook, yep. Yeah, one of mine was hit at Facebook, too. 
and this is this is very dangerous. And and look, that tells you that you're over the target. I mean, if it were a foolish piece, then obviously they wouldn't uh, have a need to to flag it. And obviously we're on to something. And look, I think all of us were scared seven weeks ago. We were maybe okay with a couple days of this. Let's get our bearings. Let's take a little time out. But when it's gone on this long and this severely, where the evidence now shows the opposite of what they're telling us, where are the state legislative and congressional hearings calling in these people from Carnegie Mellon, MIT, Oxford, University of Bonn, all over that are showing very, very different research. Um, I, ju- I just don't understand how Republicans aren't even fighting the, the basic premise of this. Mm. Well, Daniel Horowitz, we appreciate it. Keep it up over there at Conservative Review. I can count on one hand the number of voices who are, who are calling out on the civil liberties issues, but it is growing. I think we have two more tonight. The momentum so, is with us. Yep. The momentum is with us. All right. Take care of yourself, my friend. And God bless you. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. So much more to get to. I just don't have time to get to all of it. Let's see here. Kathy, Commerce, Michigan, XM Satellite, go. Hello. Give me liberty or give me death. I live in Michigan, and our governor has taken over our our whole state, and she is just trying to destroy us. I don't know why, except she wants to be vice president of the United States. We know that. Mm. But she is harming us. And I don't understand why Trump is listening to Fauci and the, the scarf lady. And also another thing is communist leaders have to be stunned, have to be laughing at how fast Americans gave up their freedom. I, I am just, very concerned about that and how quickly our political leaders shut down our economy. Thank you. Vernon, Tampa, Florida, the great WSKY country. Go. Mark? Go yes, lower your radio. We're running out of time. Go. Okay, I'm. I, I, I work at a health facility about 45 miles north of Tampa. Yeah. A robust health facility. We're in the middle of a 300 million dollar expansion. Coronavirus has devastated our facility. It's so bad our CEO had to take out a billion dollar loan to make payroll. All right, Dr. let's slow down. So you got a facility that was expanding before the virus. Obviously, it's not focused on the virus. It does other things. Uh, you work at this facility? It's, it's an HCA. It's a Brooksville uh, hospital. 
Okay, so it's a major hospital. Major hospital. And what's happening? We're devastated. The doctors are being laid off. We're maybe 40% capacity. How, how come Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks don't talk about the consequences, the economic consequences for our health care system? Hospitals, doctors, technicians, nurses, on and on and on. They're getting slaughtered. This is countrywide. Let me tell you something. I hate to have an ER uh, uh, assignment because they would run me like a running mule. For 12 hours, they would run me ragged. Now I want to have ER assignment. I, have, I might have two or three calls. The whole day? The whole day. I might have two or three what, calls. What do you do? I'm a respiratory therapist. You're a respiratory therapist, and that's a big deal job. And you're telling me you're running out of patience. We're running out of patience. We're running out of work. Our, our, our facilities may be 40% capacity now. Boy, I'll okay. tell you. Terrible. I'm sorry. That's where the media need to go, and they won't go. I want to thank all you wonderful heroes out there, from the grocery stores and our trucks to our hospitals and our police and everyone in between. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.